Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here for today's Likes and Dislikes podcast. If you are brand new to the show, you can follow me on Twitter at Kane Pittman. You can get the show on Twitter also at LockedOnBucks, which is exactly where I have got the listener likes and dislikes. So once a week, this is the third week I've been doing this, when the Bucks have an off day in the middle of the week, I'll hear from the listeners. What you guys and girls liked and didn't like from the previous week of Bucks basketball. Now, uh, of course, this week that included games against Detroit, Utah, Cleveland, and of course the Orlando game that we just watched last night as I'm recording this. So I'm going to run through these in just a little bit here before I do. Today's episode is brought to you by CBDMD because January is important in setting the tone for the new year. And in 2021, that has never been more true. Luckily, our good friends at CBDMD are here to give you the support you need to conquer your New Year's resolutions and make this year your best one yet. And if those resolutions happen to involve fitness, which I should probably be doing a little bit more of right now, they've got a brand new topical product that will help you keep moving all year long. CBD Relieve with Lidocaine fuses CBDMD's hybrid broad-spectrum formula with fast-acting lidocaine to help provide temporary relief for minor aches and pains and with the new bag on valve spray technology relief can be applied comfortably at any angle even upside down and to make it even easier to get the year started off right they're offering all our listeners 20 percent off your next order when you use the promo code nba at checkout once again that's cbdmd.com promo code nba for 20 percent off your purchase of superior cbd products from cbdmd now Uh, Let's jump straight into it. And we are going to start with the state of the NBA right now. We've briefly touched on this uh, across the last couple of shows. And uh, we did have some concern from some of the listeners when they came to uh, dislikes regarding COVID because it does feel like the NBA season is hanging on by a thread here. Uh, And that's not to say that they're not going to complete the season. But we know uh, with the 72-game reduced schedule, that this was always going to be on a knife's edge when it came to the health and safety protocols, when it comes to players missing games. And we're starting to see more and more teams impacted and more and more games postponed. Another game today between Boston and Washington uh, was postponed. Now, you may have seen on Twitter uh, that the Bucks did not practice today. It was their plan to practice originally, and then uh, they decided not to. Now, I'm a little bit confused why, and I was asleep, obviously, in Australia, so sometimes I miss the news during the day, but I woke up and missed all this commotion. But uh, I did see the, some reporters tweeted it out and said, well, the Bucks have cancelled practice. Now, at this stage, there is no indication that this has anything to do with health and safety protocols. And given the nature of the NBA and, and the concerns around the virus and how uh, teams are being impacted here, I did think it was a bit ridiculous to just uh, tweet out that the Bucks have cancelled practice because anyone that's been around the team the last few years knows that this is very common. 
the Bucks often will have off days when they originally planned to practice. It might have to do with a heavy schedule, which the Bucks have certainly had. They've just played three games in four days and also travel included there and only one off day and then they're on a road trip here. We know the schedule is compressed. So uh, <laughs> given the fact that they cancelled practice, we would probably know if there was anything else there, but we will stand by. But, uh, you know, a little bit strange to me that that was the way it was reported. But Muppies, Muppet Babies uh, did ask, a favourite of the podcast, did ask, where is the season going? Do we make it through a full season without suspension or cancellation? Well, we're going to have to wait and see here. We know uh, the NBA built in the All-Star break to be able to get through some of these postponed games. I think the trouble that we're seeing with the NBA is basically what we expected, that unlike the NFL where you have a week where you can uh, figure it out and say, okay, let's just play on Tuesday next week. We'll be able to do this. Let's swap the game from Sunday to Tuesday. We have a couple more days to work this out. That's not the case with the NBA, as I mentioned. If you have multiple players go through and have a seven-day quarantine, which is the standard if you are picked up with the contact tracing and have been deemed a close contact, not necessarily have the virus, but a close contact, then you will have to have a seven-day quarantine. That becomes very problematic, and that's why teams like Boston, Philadelphia in the past as well have only just been able to get the eight players that the league has mandated you need to dress in order to play a game. The Sixers actually played a game last week where they only had seven players available. Mike Scott dressed, but he was injured and he didn't play. Uh, This is going to be a huge issue moving forward because these games are going to start to build up. So I do think that there is a potential for the league to say, okay, we need to take two weeks to relax here. I do not at all believe that there is a chance that they're going to go into a bubble during the regular season. But this is the unfortunate situation that we find ourselves in here. If you don't have a bubble, then you leave yourself exposed to uh, this type of situation where teams are going to fall behind in the schedule. We saw it uh, with MLB, certainly uh, with teams like uh, Miami Marlins earlier in the season that missed a bunch of games uh, because they just simply had too many players in quarantine. So we'll wait and see. Uh, the Bucks have, to this point, uh, haven't been impacted. They have been uh, certainly from the way that they've spoken about it, the way that they've discussed how they are attacking uh, road trips, And even when they're at home, they certainly seem to be very diligent with the way they are following the protocols. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone when you look at the, I guess, the age demographic of the team and the professionalism that they've shown right through the last couple of seasons here. It's no surprise to me that they haven't had any slip-ups yet. But the one thing that we do know with the NBA is that you don't necessarily have to do anything wrong. They could come up against a team who uh, potentially has a positive case within their travel party, you can be deemed a close contact. And that's how uh, you can get caught up in all this. So we will see uh, how this plays out. Uh, The other thing to note here is this is why the league did a a 72-game schedule but split in half. So we only have half of the regular season lined up here. And the one thing I will say, the Bucs have only played 11 games. So they're still 25 games away from even reaching the halfway point here. So we're not even close. And uh, these games are starting to pile up. So certainly, I'm just waking up every day, holding my breath, hoping that not only are the Bucks not implicated, but the rest of the league is able to get these games through because the more that this happens, the more difficult it's going to be. And John Mullaney also had one of his likes. The Bucks haven't had any players into the health protocol yet. Can't dodge this bullet forever. But players like Portis have talked about being vigilant 
that focus mentality might be necessary to get through this season as COVID protocol starts wearing teams down. And there's absolutely no doubt about that. I do suspect, depending on where the US is at the time that the postseason rolls around, I do suspect that there would have to be a possibility that they may, might move uh, the playoffs to a bubble-type situation to ensure that they get through with the star players on the court because uh, we had some fears last year with the Disney bubble that you know potentially a, a Giannis or a, you know, another star player, a LeBron, might get caught up with the virus and would miss a series which would completely uh, delegitimize the postseason there. So I think that that will be an option moving forward, again, depending on where the U.S. is in relation to COVID. But for now, I think they're just going to continue to play off through. And uh, they've said this for uh, a lot of reasons, not only financially for the players, but financially for a lot of people that are employed and a lot of people that are staying in a job because the NBA is trying to do that. It's not perfect. It's certainly problematic in a lot of ways. But for now, I think they're going to push through and we just hope that they're able to get this under control. The players do the right thing. The teams do the right thing. And we can keep these games rolling. But it's incredibly difficult. Like I said, you don't actually have to do anything wrong at all uh, to be caught up in this. So COVID, we'll keep an eye on it. It's unfortunate that we're still talking about it, but it is just uh, the nature of the world we're living in right now. So uh, let's get to the players. And I want to talk about Chris Milton. We've got some Drew Holiday stuff here. We've got some Yana stuff. So we've got plenty of fun stuff that we're going to get to. And I, ha- I had to get rid of uh, the boring stuff at the start, the, the unfortunate stuff, the bad news at the start. So we've got rid of that here. Before I jump into some Chris Middleton likes and dislikes here, uh, let's talk about betonline.ag because there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. And when it comes to sports betting, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. We have NFL Games of the Week. Uh, college football's wrapped up now, but of course, uh, plenty on the site uh, in regards to the NBA as well. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. Twenty twenty is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking up college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcast. Now let's move on to Chris Milton, as promised. Zach Knutson. Hopefully, I've said that accurately. But one of the likes that he's got. Is Chris Middleton's finishing at the rim? He says, I'm unsure if the stats bear it out, but in the past I was never confident, especially in transition. Seems like he's getting better angles and using his body to fend off his man. Now, I think this is an excellent observation. This is something that I've certainly noticed uh, myself as well as we were watching the early season here. Now, Chris Middleton in general, if, if we can just read the numbers out here, I mean, it's absolutely absurd what he is doing at this point in time. Keeping in mind that he, again, is only playing 31 uh, well, it's actually actually bumped up to 32 minutes per game. It is. Settle down, bud. Don't wear out Chris too early here. But Chris Milton so far averaging 22.5 points, 6.7 rebounds, 5.6 assists, shooting splits of 55, 49, and 94 so far this season. It's been absolutely absurd. And part of the efficiency and part of the bump up in efficiency from his already extremely high level 
has been his finishing at the rim. So his effective field goal percentage overall so far this season, 64.5%, which uh, these numbers, according to Cleaning the Glass, has him in the 98th percentile for his position league-wide. He's been incredible to start the season. He's had a couple of rough games in there. But outside of that, he's been on fire. And part of this is his finishing at the rim. 77% so far this season. He is 23 for 30 in the restricted area. Uh, That puts him in the 82nd percentile. And this is certainly notable. And perhaps, again, we keep on talking about what's sustainable and what isn't sustainable. I would suspect that Chris is not going to stay uh, above 75% at the rim based on what we've seen in his career. But certainly, he looks more comfortable in these areas. And if you go back to uh, 2017-18, it was 58%. The next year in 2019-57, last year he was 63. So he actually did make a significant jump, a 6% jump from 57 to 63, which was a career high for Chris Middleton last year. So now he's gone up to 77. So I think this is the further development that we've seen with Chris Middleton. He's become more comfortable, more settled, and more in control as a player in general. I think at times we've certainly seen Chris with the ball in the half court and he can have some bad turnovers from time to time. And he admitted this himself uh, when talking about his passing post game, uh, one of the games across the weekend, I believe it was the Cleveland game. But he said, look, from time to time, I know I have some bad turnovers. You guys know that you've seen me play and he certainly has, but I think that they've come down. Uh, going back a couple of years ago, I remember watching Chris and saying, well, we know he's a fantastic shooter. I do think he's a little underrated across the league but he's a little bit loose with the ball. He's not necessarily someone you want running the fast break. I think that's changed completely. We saw, again, just a beautiful bounce pass in transition in the game against Orlando yesterday. And I think as his passing has developed, so has his ability to score uh, not only through contract, uh, contact, but by putting the ball on the floor and getting to the paint. So right now, he is 11 for 13 on driving layups, and he's 6 for 6 on driving, floating, jump shots. So those two stats, uh, according to NBA.com there. Uh, The one thing that is interesting with Chris Milton so far this season, uh, his frequency of shots at the rim is at 19%, which is up from 15% last year, but it's sort of around the mark of where he's been all season long. So it's not necessarily that he is taking more shots or driving with more frequency and trying to score at the rim. It's just simply that he's been more efficient. And I I think that that's, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I I think overall, you're still going to want Chris Mill to be be that perimeter player, knocking down those threes at above 40%, as we've come to expect from him. But if he can bump this up, and again, 77% is a, a little bit optimistic for me, but if he keeps it up around the high 60s, or 70%, 69%, that would be nice. Uh, Then Chris Middleton, I think, again, takes another step as a player and potentially goes from that uh, 20, 21 points per game guy up to uh, 23 or 24. And I think, again, during stretches, and sometimes it's when Giannis is not on the court, uh, he's going to be able to get into the paint and score in those different areas. The, the, The stretch of game that stands out to me was the six straight points he scored at the rim against Cleveland when the Bucs were kind of scuffling a little bit in a game that you never really thought was out of their grasp. But Chris said, you know, I'd stuff this. I'm not just going to keep jacking up threes here. I'm getting to the rim three times in a row. I know I can do that. I know I can score on this defense. He did that. And the Bucs never really looked back uh, after that point. 
the one thing that is noteworthy with Chris Milton, uh, because I've always been a proponent of Chris, uh, or, or I guess, you know, disappointed with the whistle that Chris Milton gets. He's always, uh, you've seen over the years where he's been a guy that has um, not complained to the point where it becomes a distraction, but you always do see him sort of throw his hands up at the officials when he doesn't get the call. I think that's changed on his jump shot. He's certainly got the respect um, from the perimeter. We see him all the time draw contact on three-point shots. He's fantastic of that. He still doesn't necessarily get to the free throw line a lot, particularly on those drives. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how this number progresses through the season. As it currently stands, his free throw rate is at uh, 19%. It was at 24% uh, last year, uh, which uh, free throw rate is just the number of free throw attempts per field goal attempt there. So uh, for Chris Milton, um, still not a big uh, guy that's going to get to the free throw line there. And so far this season, he's actually only averaging 2.9 per game, which is down from 3.7. And in fact, it's his lowest mark since all the way back in 2014-15. So if there was one criticism of Chris right now, uh, you'd love to see him get to the rim, uh, get to the free throw line a little bit more. But again, uh, it's a really good observation from you there, Zach, because it's certainly um, been noticeable uh, for mine so far. Uh, before we move on to the final segment here, I, I do want to go through a quick couple of concerns that we have here. Dominic White, and again, like I always say with these episodes, sometimes these likes and dislikes cross over. So if I don't actually read out your name, I've certainly acknowledged them here and made sure they try and get in the show. So I apologize if I skip you guys, but uh, bear with me here. But Dominic says, I really like that the Bucks are still beating teams that they should be, but I'm not a fan that we can't seem to seem to beat a high 40s to 50 win team. It's super early. Remember, they lost on opening night to the Celtics on a fluke bank shot. And you can say whatever you want about Jason Tatum, that he takes that step back with regularity. And he does, but it was a fluke. He didn't mean that. He missed the, the rim by an absolute mile. And he got a fluke bounce that beat the Bucks in the end. So that would have been a win against the Celtics. They were certainly in that game in a winnable position. And they beat the Heat as well, which was a solid win. That I thought, obviously, they needed a, a record uh, shooting performance from three to get that one. But that was still a solid win, particularly against a team that the Bucs have had some struggles with in the past. And then, you know, obviously, the recent uh, game against Utah was a little disappointing. But we'll see. They're going to have some games coming up here in the next week or so against the Lakers, against Dallas. You would love to see them try and pick up one of those games. That would be fantastic and certainly look like they're in it to compete because the one thing that stands out to me with this Bucks team so far this year, a lot of blowouts. And remember, last year we spoke about the fact that the Bucks weren't in too many close games and you did have some concerns about their ability to win close games and certainly Frank points it out all the time. Reverse a deficit and come back in the fourth quarter. We haven't seen that from this team. So maybe uh, those games will give them the opportunity to do so there. But I, I do certainly... Except your point there, Dominic. Now, Justin Sayan says, and I, I don't necessarily take this as too much of a criticism from Justin here because I know that he is a generally a pretty measured uh, Bucks fan that uh, you know, I've interacted with a number of times on Twitter. But he says, I dislike Giannis' start to the season. It's early, but he feels like he's regressed on both ends. Only positive is it takes off some pressure in the playoffs because he isn't going to be MVP. Now, I, I don't know where... I see the regression and it might just be me here, but certainly Giannis came into this season and you probably look at him and say, 
Yeah, I'm not sure whether Giannis is necessarily at his absolute best to start the season. And and in past years, we've seen him come out of the gates and just have some absolute monster games. Certainly at a, an 18-point fourth quarter against Boston on opening night. That was impressive. And he's had some up and down performances, no doubt. But I still look at the numbers here. 26.6 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. So the assists and rebounds are thereabouts. He's down a couple of rebounds. The scoring is only down a couple of points. But despite the fact that you look at him and think, geez, I'm not sure if his efficiency is really up there at the moment. His field goal percentage is essentially, uh, the sub well, is 55, it's down to 53. His three-point percentage from 30 down to uh, 29. And his free throw percentage is actually almost identical, 63% last year, 62% this year on exactly the same amount of attempts per game, 10. So the numbers across the board are actually very similar. Again, that points per game is going to swing based on his efficiency a lot of the times at the free throw line. I don't necessarily see that Giannis has regressed at all. The one thing that I will say is that I don't think that there is a marked change in his game or improvement in your game where last year you were able to look and say, oh my goodness, Giannis has doubled his three-point attempts. He's shooting all these threes. He's going to hit twice as many threes in a season as he ever, as a, ever has before. I think that was an obvious improvement in his game last year. It helped him bump up that scoring average from 27 to 29. So we've seen... Throughout his career, his scoring has obviously gone up every season, but that's been by virtue of more free throw attempts, uh, more three points made, as we saw in 2020. So the one thing I'll say is I don't necessarily look at him and say there is one thing that he has dramatically improved. I think he's basically, at the moment, flatlining and maybe not having the huge performances that we've seen in the past. But he he said this himself, that he's more patient this year. He's more interested in trying different things because he understands that winning is is going to require him to do that. And so he's kind of playing a little bit of a different role. And the other thing that I think is important to note is in previous years, we know Giannis is well known for his work rate and how hard he works in the offseason. There was really no offseason this year. So I think it would be a stretch to expect Giannis to come back into the season this year and say, well, he's added this to his game. Oh my goodness. All of a sudden he's got that hook shot. Oh man, his three-point shot has taken another leap. He hasn't really had the time to do that. So I do think that we are going to see Giannis hopefully continue to try things through the regular season. We've seen him in the post a little bit. We've seen him going again to that little mid-range turnaround. Yesterday, we saw almost a little like push shot, floater shot against Orlando. So those types of things, I don't really care if he misses them as much during the regular season. As long as he continues to try them, I think that's the important thing. And uh, as I sort of mentioned, I mean, his stats are kind of comparative to where they've been. I don't think he's going to win the MVP this year, but I think most Bucks fans could agree that they would prefer him to be a more of a threat in the playoffs uh, than win a third MVP because ultimately we all won a championship at this point. The two MVPs were really fun, uh, but we're after a ring here. And one last note, obviously his usage has gone down a little bit from 37% last year down to 34 So look, all things considered, I think that Giannis is figuring it out this season. And even if you do feel that he's been a little bit down so far this season, uh, if this is down Giannis, still pretty damn good. So I don't think uh, we have uh, so much that we, we can really complain about with Giannis. At this point, uh, let's talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar that has ever been made. Uh, there are 18 amazing flavors of Built Bar that you can get from caramel brownie to carrot cake to coconut almond to raspberry, mint brownie, salted caramel. I, just could, I, don't know, I could just keep going down the list if you really want. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Great. 
bought the health conscious guy. I had one prior to this podcast. I was going solo. I knew I needed a little bit more energy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for those on the keto diet. Uh, just go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. It's small market meets big market. Wednesdays on the Locked On NBA podcast, join Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans and John Corrales of Locked On Celtics for a look at the NBA week from all angles. Subscribe to Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk some Drew Holiday here now. Uh, now obviously, for a number of reasons, Drew is going to be one of the most talked about players on the Bucks roster this season. We know he's widely been viewed as what we hope is the missing link for this team, certainly when it comes to playoff performance. Uh, we've got a number of comments regarding Drew Holiday here, so let's go through these. Leander Wallace. The Bucks are using the regular season to mix in some adjustments. Switching, then he says, thanks, Drew. Blitzing, et cetera, on defense. Uh, Anthony Zeno says, a concern he has, actually, is he would like to see Drew handle the ball and run the offense more often. And then Kyle Wagner. Uh, this is kind of funny uh, because... Uh, this has gone back and forth here. So if you think about Anthony Zeno, he says he would like to see Drew handle the ball and run the offense more often. Kyle Wagner says, why does Holiday seem like he is pressing on offense? So this is, again, this is kind of fascinating to me because I would probably be leaning more towards Anthony than Kyle in this situation. I don't really see that Drew is pressing, actually. I, I think that he's been kind of, a, at times, a limited participant in the offense and you know, I asked Mike Budenholzer about this post-game uh, going back after the Cleveland game because it was a little bit more noticeable, particularly in the first quarter, that Drew had the ball in his hands more often. He was taking over. And I said, well, Bud, you know, how do you try and get Drew to be more aggressive, to have the ball in his hands uh, with more regularity when Giannis is in the team? Because it does make it difficult when you have uh, Giannis, Chris, Dante, Drew. They all want the ball. They've all seen their usage drop um, from last season. So how do you balance that? And he said, you know, sometimes we need to tell Drew to be a little bit more aggressive. So I think that this is just the balancing act that the Bucks are having to, uh, they're going to have to continue to work through here in figuring out, okay, where do we want Giannis? Where do we want to put the ball in Drew's hands? When's Chris going to get his touches? Again, it's been 11 games. So I think that it's easy to look at the talent on paper and say, well, these guys should be able to just figure it out. It's going to take all, all season, potentially, for these guys to figure out when it's going to be this guy's turn, when it's going to be the next guy to have the ball. But I do feel very, very comfortable with Drew in the half court. And the last point that Leander made there, uh, it, just in regards to the, the adjustments that they're making, and he, he mentions the four-out instead of the five-out offense, which uh, Eric Name uh, wrote about in The Athletic a couple of days ago here. I highly recommend you check this out. Frank is, and myself have spoke about this on the podcast a little bit. The Bucks are using the dunker spot more than they certainly have in the past. We know if you can visualize this, previously the Bucks have had the, the five boxes around the perimeter where basically they wanted guys standing at all times. The trouble with that or the trouble that the Bucks have found once they've got to the postseason is when you just space the floor with all the guys out on the perimeter, it's too easy for the opposition defense, and recently we know Miami did this really well, to just stand three guys in front of Giannis and say, okay, well, 
you're either going to have to drive through us, which is going to be not only physically taxing, but very difficult for you to do so, or you're going to have to kick it out to the guys in the perimeter. And we believe that our help defense is still going to get out to, to at least contest a shot. So now Bud has said, okay, we're going to put someone in the dunker spot at all times, have the four guys on the perimeter. And the dunker spot is essentially uh, on the baseline uh, on either side of the rim that, that spots uh, there inside the arc where you can drop off a pass, where at least the defense has to respect that you have a guy inside the arc and not necessarily all five guys standing on the perimeter. So uh, I know it's a little bit hard to visualize potentially here on the podcast, but I do recommend you check out uh, Eric's uh, story there. I thought it was, it, it makes it really easy to, to visualize. I said, if you were, if you were struggling to understand what the hell um, uh, yabbering on about here and uh, you know, a few people have noticed this sack low was the first one uh, to really notice this on a national perspective. And, and Frank mentioned this on the podcast going back. So again, the Bucks continue to make adjustments. There's no doubt about that. And as far as the defense goes, it's really interesting because Drew publicly has said on multiple occasions, I prefer to switch when I'm defending pick and roll, but we're trying to work out the schemes. And I, I know a lot of fans that while well, he's taking a shot at Bud, I'm not, you know, I've kind of wrestled with this in my head. Was he necessarily taking a shot at Bud or was he just being honest and saying, this is what I've done in the past. Uh, we've certainly heard a number of players that have sort of spoken out that way, but we are seeing more adjustments. Uh, I would love to think that it's Drew Holiday's come in and said, but come on, let me, let me defend the way I, I like to defend. I read the game on the court. I don't necessarily have to have a structured defensive scheme, but either way, I love it. I love that we're seeing different things that hasn't always worked. And this again comes back to probably the point about Giannis where uh, Justin mentioned that perhaps he's regressed on both ends. I just think, as I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, Giannis and Brooke Lopez in particular, who have been so dominant defensively, are going to find themselves in different positions. They're going to find themselves in different coverages. So I just think the usual dominance that we're used to seeing from those plays is going to be a little bit different this year. But the one play that I would point out from the Orlando game that you should watch and think in your head when you think about how can Brooke Lopez impact the game defensively? How can Giannis defend the game defensively? uh, defensively how will Drew Holiday impact the game defensively when Giannis got switched on to Nikola Vucevic yesterday he's been a guy that's torched the Bucks in the past Giannis handled him in the post sensationally well and we saw similar with Drew Holiday on Aaron Gordon so you're going to see different plays that you necessarily haven't got used to over the previous two years but the more adjustments we see the more the Bucks are going to be prepared to change things up in a seven-game series in the postseason. So I love it. I love it. I love that they're willing to try those things. It's got me excited watching the Bucks in the regular season again, which at times has become a little bit monotonous over the years. So uh, I will leave it there for this week's likes and dislikes. Of course, there were some there that I wasn't able to get to. I would love to talk more about DJ Augustine and certainly more about Bobby Portis. We know the fans are loving what they're seeing from Bobby Portis so far uh, this season. So if I missed you again, I will try and, and get to you guys next week. Anyone that I missed, I'm trying to share it around here. Uh, but overall, I'm having fun with these podcasts. It's a great way uh, to have easy content from you guys. Talk about what the hell you want me to talk about in the middle of the week. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Bucks and Pistons, 6 p.m. Central tonight or Wednesday night, whenever you get the chance to listen to this podcast. I know some people like uh, to, to flick this on at midnight, uh, wherever you are in the world. But Bucks pistons again, Milwaukee looking to take a third game in the season series against the Central Division 
rivals there. And uh, we'll see. We'll see who plays in this game. Uh, hopefully, all hands on deck for the Bucks. We know Tory Craig still a little bit off, according to uh, what Bud said yesterday pregame against the Magic. So we'll see. But we will be back post-game. Bucks. Pistons, Milwaukee looking to go eight and four on the season and win their third straight game. I'm Kane Pittman. You can get me on Twitter at Kane Pittman and the show at Locked On Bucks. Stay safe. We'll catch you guys after that game. <laughs>